Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. And thanks to Pastor Mike for being here on a, a bit of an awkward weekend, but we really appreciate it. At the reading today is from Luke uh, chapter 22 verses, sorry, chapter 2 verses 22 to 40. Jesus is presented in the temple. That's better. Oh, not really. <laughs> That's a little better. Uh, when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to God. As it is written in the law of God, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to God. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of God, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen God's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. The return to Nazareth. When they had finished everything required by the law of God, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Thank you, Joe. This is a unique Sunday, isn't it? We're in this in-between space. This child has been born. We've recognized that. Things aren't the same, though, are they, in different places around the world? My wife and I watched a service from Bethlehem. It was called Christ Under the Rubble. And they actually had a manger scene with... Uh, Jesus in the manger and rocks and dirt and boards on top to represent what the Palestinian people feel are happening all, uh, around them, right? Bethlehem is in the West Bank, some of you know. It's not Gaza, but it's a very similar occupied territory that feels much like a prison. We've been there a couple of times. And it made me think, so what do we do? How do you press on into a new year, right, 2024, in the midst of all that is going on in our world? 
I love the last verse that Joe just read. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. How do we take that wisdom and live it out today when it sometimes feels like nothing's going right around us? Do you feel that? I mean, kind of this post-COVID, post-pandemic reality makes me feel like no day feels normal anymore, and we're not going back to what normal felt like. So how do you live in the midst? And some of us want that more than others, right? I'm an Enneagram one. I don't know if any of you follow Enneagram personality type things. I'm a one. You know, that's, that's the perfectionist reformer. I want things to be made right. I, I drive in here this morning, my wife and I, on the freeway, this, first this black Mercedes blows by us at least 100 miles an hour on the 405. And then we see about a minute later a highway patrol, and I'm just thinking, yes, you're going to nail that. They're going to nail that car. That's my personality. I just want, the per- I want justice to be done, right? But we're like, they'll never catch them. But then we see some lights go, and we're like, yeah, they caught them. But they didn't. They pulled over a white Tesla instead. I guess justice was being done, but I don't know if that happens to you. When you see something, and you just want what's right to be done, and you turn on the news and you're like, I don't think what's right's being done. Or you're out on the street or you're at work or you're in the spaces where you live and it just feels like something is wrong. And yet we know from this passage that the favor of God was upon Jesus. So how do we take that? How do we live as little Christs, right? Quite Christians, the word comes from, and live that out every day? This is a unique year. I just realized, as as thinking through today, that 2024, we are beginning the last year of the first quarter of the 21st century. Does that make sense? We're completing the first quarter. Yeah, that's scary, isn't it? Where did it go? Do you remember Y2K? That wasn't that long ago, right? It was like 2000. You know, some of us remember that a little little better than others there. But, But how are we doing in the first quarter of the 21st century? And as I sat and kind of meditated this week, the thoughts that came to my mind, you know, I'd ask you to think, like, what what words come to your mind? War was the first one, because it's hard to ignore. We We can't ignore it. Fear. The more churches I go in, I sense in some of them a level of fear I've never felt before. And that disturbs me, because we're told that, well, the most oft repeated command in the Bible is, you know what it is? Fear not, right? Don't fear. Do not be afraid. And yet there's fear all around us. That's a problem. Another word that popped into my mind, hatred. Hatred. I I hear that word more now. I think we see it, but now I even hear that word. Exclusion is is a huge one. People who are being excluded and excluded in more obvious and I think horrible and harsh ways than ever, that rather than moving toward more inclusion and more love and embracing, there's this feeling of how do we exclude people and somehow get away with it? (sighs) Polarization. 
is another one, right? And we're about to go into another political season where polarization will once again, it already has been raised to new heights and we feel like we're on opposite ends of things. But there has to be a different approach. So I was thinking, how do I encourage you today, right? How do I encourage myself? I, I need to feel encouraged because I'm in this with you, right? We're, none of us are alone. But we need to move into this 2024, this last year or the first quarter of the 21st century and live differently. Um, coming through Christmas, in this Christmas season, we talk a lot about Jesus as the Son of God, or the second person of the Trinity, the Savior, maybe even the sacrificial Lamb of God. Um, but think about this with me, and here's what I'd like to focus on. The, the understanding of Jesus as a prophet. Jesus as a prophet. In the rich prophetic tradition of the Christian religion, it's really been minimized. I don't, have, I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon on Jesus as a prophet before. I tried to think. I don't think I have. Right? And even other religions consider Jesus a prophet, right? Islam considers Jesus as a prophet, and uh, Judaism considers Jesus as a prophet. And I, I read a devotional this week from Brian McLaren. They write devotionals of the Center of Action and Contemplation. And the theme for the week, and actually for the whole year, was on the prophetic. And I thought this was so good to be able to think through. Uh, now, of course, we're welcome to understand Jesus as more than a prophet. But one of the things that Brian shared was he said we should never understand him as less than a prophet. Right? And I thought, I want to share that. I want to share with you for a reason. I think this is so important because I think we need some prophets today. We need to be inspired by Jesus in the way Jesus was a prophetic voice in his time. And pick up on that in a good way. Right? I think when I was in, with you in, on October here, I, I got to share about love. Now, this is going to kind of balance some of what I say, because definitely I mean to say to do this with love, but I want to light a little fire under us all this morning that we need to speak up in some new ways. We need each other, and we need to move out into the culture and society that's surrounding us in some very negative ways, but embrace it differently. Okay, A prophet is someone with a connection to God. Now, most of us in here, or many of us at least would say we have a connection to God. That looks different, probably for different ones of us. A prophet serves as a messenger. A prophet plays a role in guiding or warning or inspiring people based on that connection to God, okay? So we're kind of listening to God for what God, how God's moving, right? I, I don't hear God physically. I wish I did sometimes, right? Don't you wish you could pray and you'd just hear this voice, right? You know, that would sound like James Earl Jones or, or someone, right? And you'd go, oh, thank you. There's the answer. I don't hear that. So we have to kind of sense, what, what is it? How, where's God moving? Where is God at work? And how do I join God in that place? And there's a different, this is important to understand because sometimes you hear prophet and you think, well, I, I, do prophets just tell the future? I definitely can't do that. I can't foretell the future. That's not what it's about, okay? It's about, catch this, telling the truth about the future, okay? Telling the truth about the future. What is God's heart for the future, right? What does the Bible say about the future? What do you sense is God's best today? I had a friend once ask me, um, he had become part of kind of a 
Pentecostal charismatic church. And that's not my background, but I wanted to join him in this new experience. And he said to my wife and I, come join us in this space. So we thought we would do that. And they did this thing, and he told me in advance, so it was full disclosure, called prophetic activation. I don't know what that is, but it sounds interesting. He's like, well, they're going to ask you some questions, and they're going to lay hands on you, and just see what happens. So they did, and this group of people surrounded me, and they laid hands on me, and they prayed uh, hard. Let's just put it, they prayed hard. They prayed a lot. They prayed loudly. And at the end of that time, I don't know what happened, but they all looked at me, and they said, we heard from God. And I don't know about you, I, I, wanted, I wanted to know what they heard. I didn't hear anything except their loud prayers. You know, it was good. It was a good experience for me. But, but I wanted to hear. And you know what they told me? It was really interesting. They said, Michael, you're a prophet. We sense that. But you don't know it. You have something to say to people, but sometimes you hold back. You don't share what you're really feeling and sensing because you, you, you don't want to intimidate people. You don't want to use it wrongly. You don't want to misuse it or abuse people. And you know what? Everything they said was right. They gave me this. This will let you know how long ago it was. They gave me a cassette tape of everything they said. They actually recorded it. Someone had a little uh, recorder. And they recorded this thing, and they said, listen to this later. And all the things they shared were on that cassette tape. But it was interesting for me because I never thought of myself being a prophet. I, I don't call myself a prophet today. I wouldn't come in here and say, I'm pr prophet Michael. Let me speak to you. I don't do that. And you don't either. And that's not what I'm asking you to do. But I do think, see if you can catch this with me, that if we follow Jesus' example of a, being a prophet, it emboldens us a little in a good way. It allows us to take the love that we know God has for the human race. It, and, and to move out with a little more confidence, maybe, right? To rather than the exclusion we might feel, what does it mean to move out more boldly and include people well? There's a, there's a member of our church at First United Costa Mesa. Her name's Ali Tor, and she was sharing at another church, uh, was it two weeks ago now that we were there? Two weeks ago, I guess. And Ali is trans, and she works for Kaiser Permanente Hospital. I wasn't even planning to share this this morning, but it struck me because this is what I got. It was the most beautiful story of what was a, a, a man and wife with kids and a journey of becoming trans. And I went away weeping with tears because of the power of her story that was just amazing to hear. Allie is going to be, if you watch the Rose Parade, uh, was that tomorrow morning? <laughs> tomorrow morning, if you watch the Rose Parade, she was a doctor for Kaiser Permanente. She will be on the Kaiser Permanente float wearing a trans scarf. That's Allie. She loves to share her story, and that's why I love to share it with you, because if you look, look for that, and thank God that there's someone with a voice like hers that could be like, we need to include people. We need to be concerned about our teens, our trans teens or trans children at Kaiser Permanente. She even works with children and, and um, minors and all of those types of things. And I thought, wow, that's a voice today. Boy, that's a bold voice. That's a strong voice. I, I, I can't compete with that. But she inspired me. I told her last weekend, I gave her a hug and I said, thank you. You, you moved me with that story with your story. I think we need to look at our lives. All of us have stories. Your story is sacred. It might not be Allie's like that, 
But we all have a story, don't we? We all have a story we can tell. And that story can really bless other people. Remember that Jesus says to the disciples a couple of times, a couple of verses that we got here, I think, on the screen. John 14, 12. Jesus says to the, those that are following him, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Now, Jesus said that to the disciples. He's inspiring them to say, you know what? I'm Jesus, but you're going to do greater things than me. I, I need to hear that. I need to be inspired if I'm going to step out with some kind of prophetic voice. And then in John 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. We're being sent. If you choose to be a follower, a disciple, some people like to use the word apprentice of Jesus, you're being sent to that space wherever that is. Maybe it's the 15 feet around you every day. That's the space where you're sent. It's your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, community center, wherever it is that you're sent. But know that you're sent for a reason. Jesus is telling his followers, you're going to be persecuted the way the prophets were before you, you're fulfilling and falling into their movement. My movement is a prophetic movement, Jesus is saying. And when you join my movement, you're in line with that work. And of course, all of this echoes the prototypical prophet Moses' words in Numbers 11.29. The scripture's not on the screen, I don't think. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets. Isn't that interesting? Numbers 11. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. That's good. We need that. We need that verse for 2024 to step out with our story and to speak with more confidence in a prophetic voice. It needs to be heard. So what does that mean practically? What does it mean to be a prophet? In Hebrew, the term means mouth of God. You get to be a mouth. You get to be God's mouth. It comes from a root word denoting hollowness or openness, suggesting that in order to be an effective mouthpiece or spokesperson for God, the prophet must be like a hollow vessel, open and receptive. So that's a good place to start. Are you open and receptive? Like maybe a prayer for us today should be, God, help me to be open and receptive in 2024 to be a mouthpiece for you to share what you want me to share through my story. The prophet is not just somebody who reads a book and repeats what they've learned. The prophet is somebody who goes deep into themselves to hear the message that's being birthed in the midst of their pain, their burdens, their frustrations, and their sufferings, and their questions, and their perplexity, and their disillusionments. Is there a method, message that's being birthed in you right now? Think about that. I'd love you to think about that later on today as this, year, as, this, as this year ends, comes to a conclusion, and we're facing this new year. What message is in you that needs to come out a little bit more than it has, right? You can start by telling one other person. Take a risk. In the process of that inner journey, something begins to emerge and they bring it out and they say, I can't just say these words. I have to demonstrate them. 
You ever feel that, like a burning fire in you? I need to demonstrate them. I've got to find two or three other people who see what I see so that we can do something about it. Do you ever feel that? There's another assignment for you. Who's at one or two or three people that you could join with that you know are passionate about the same kinds of things that you are passionate about, okay? Because you don't want to do it alone. Even Jesus sent them out in twos, in pairs, okay? It's a lot more strength in numbers. I think there's a movement that's happening in the world. It's happening across religions. It's happening with secular people, with religious people. It's bubbling up in the hearts of people in pain when people who are motivated by revolutionary love in the prophetic path of Jesus come together, knowing the pain of our planet and knowing the agony of the poor to work for peace and against injustice and racism and hate, they can transform a broken world toward beloved community to the glory of God. But let me say a word about anger. Richard Rohr shared this in one of the devotionals as well, and I love this. Richard Rohr speaks with such grace. He said, a prophet must hold on to the truth of their anger, especially as it is directed toward injustice. But the danger of the anger is that when we let it control us, we're not a help anymore, right? Sometimes anger is what inspires us or motivates us to go out and do something, okay? That's okay, but don't let that anger drive you. Don't let that anger consume you. It might motivate you to do something, but be careful with it. Roar says this, he goes on, that's why we have so many false prophets in America and in the world today. They are so angry. I want to sit there and say, I agree with you. That situation deserves anger, but you're not a good messenger because you're only making me more angry, right? Because anger is contagious. So be careful, right? So if anger motivates you, that's okay. Just don't let it consume you. And it's not meant to make other people angry. It's meant to make other people move into what God wants you to move into and bring change. Anger can be that starting place. It's never the full message. So here's another thing to ask. What are you angry about right now? Is there something that you're angry about right now? And how might that get you started without consuming you? In his book, We Survived the End of the World, retired Episcopal priest Stephen Charleston writes about how prophets arise in periods of crisis or apocalypse to chart a message of resilience and hope. He says, prophets do not arise out of a vacuum. They are part of the apocalyptic process. They appear first as an early warning system within any culture at risk. Is our culture at risk right now? It feels a little apocalyptic sometimes, doesn't it? They fulfill that classic role of prophet as a herald of a vision of what is to come. Then as the apocalypse becomes even more real, they serve as teachers to instruct people about what to do to end the suffering and alter the course of destruction. That's so good. You become a teacher. Help others. Finally, they are mystics who describe the future and guide people to find it within themselves. Charleston believes that everyone can be a prophet if we awaken to the possibility and responsibility of our time. Author Walter Brueggemann calls this having a prophetic imagination. Having a prophetic imagination. What is your imagination doing today? I mean, hopefully I said one or two words today that has inspired you. What is it doing to you as you think of 2024? 
about how to move out with your story, your passions, and have a different imagination for the way the world can be around you and how your mouth, your voice might be used in good, good ways. Can you think of some issues that are badly in need of prophetic voices today? I think we all can. I think we all can. But it's a little bit scary. I, I agree. I, I have found myself taking more risks in the last year because I feel like if I don't, I just turned 60 this year. Like, I feel like I'm an officially old person now, and I can say whatever I want. Sometimes that's just, you know, like, it's kind of the joke, right, that the older you get, the more you just say, and it's unfiltered. But sometimes it's like, okay, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be around. I better say it. I might not get it in. Be inspired. Whatever it is that inspires you to take some risks for goodness and peace and grace and inclusion and love. Do that. I'll end with this quote from Richard Rohr again. Richard Rohr says this, We need the wisdom of a full prophet, one who can love and yet criticize one who can speak their words of correction out of an experience of gratitude, not anger. We have to pray to God to teach us that. God, we do pray right now that you would um, intersect our hearts, our passions, the things that inspire us, things that get us out of bed in the morning, things that we would want written on our tombstone, things that bother us when we see injustice in the world around us. May we move out with a greater boldness, a greater confidence than we have this last year, but to do it well in the way that you would want us to. And may people take notice, God, because of the love and grace that you give us to pass on to others. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Empowerment and passion, and um, uh, the next song, uh, Turn, 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 was written by a modern-day prophet, Pete Seeger, in 1965, and it's based on the book of Ecclesiastics, and um, you probably know the words, for everything there is a season, and a time for everything matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal a time to break down, a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. So if you feel like singing, sing along. Asking New Year to everybody. Thanks for being here on New Year's Eve. To everything turn, turn, turn There is a season turn, turn, turn And a time to every purpose under heaven A time to be born, a time to die 
A time to plant, a time to reap, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to weep. To everything turn, 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 there is a season turn, 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 and a time to every purpose under heaven a time to build up a time to break down a time to dance a time to mourn a time to cast away stones a time to gather stones together to everything turn 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 season turn 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 and a time to every purpose under heaven a time of love a time of hate a time of war a time of peace a time you may embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. To everything turn, 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 there is a season turn, 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 and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to gain, a time to lose, a time to reign, a time to soul. Time for love, a time for hate, a time for peace, I swear it's not too late.